smells really good, Evan. Evan's cooking me dinner. Cute. How sexy. I cooked her dinner the other night, so she's cooking me dinner tonight. <laughs> okay, I've been recording. We need to start this or else I'm going to like lose my mind. Okay. And I'm going to be out of wine. <laughs> okay. Hey. I love starting it like that because it's the most annoying way to start something. <laughs> hey. Welcome to the Ultimate Insiders. I'm Jill. I'm Katie. And this is episode three where we're talking about season one, episode three of Gossip Girl titled Poison Ivy. Yes. It aired October 3rd, 2007. October 3rd. I wrote it down so we wouldn't have to like search it in the middle of the... Good, because I was right about to search it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I forgot where I was going. So the... Yeah, what's it called? What's the name of the episode? Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. I wish they had saved that like title, like that episode title. Yeah, for for later. For later, but that's just me. Um, But also it works for like the league. Yeah, but this one worked too. I mean, it is what it is. Um... But the synopsis for this episode, Katie, do you want to like take the, like go through, not necessarily the synopsis, but kind of just like a play-by-play? Yeah, let me find what Wikipedia says about it. Um, it's smoky in my apartment. Um, so I'm on Wikipedia and I'm just realizing that apparently all of the references in the titles, like the title of the episodes are all like film references. Or book references? Yeah. I never realized that. Really? Not once. I also did not pay attention to the titles. I also did not pay attention to job titles. Okay. So the Wikipedia synopsis for season one, episode three, Poison Ivy. As the upper... As the Upper East Side teens from Constance Billard and St. Jude's prepare for a much-anticipated visit from the Ivy League representatives, Blair and Chuck uncover a scandalous secret about Serena that may not remain secret for much longer. Dan has his heart and future set out on the coveted usher position for the Dartmouth rep, only to be beat out by Nate, who has no interest in the school despite pressure from his controlling father, the captain. Meanwhile, Jenny Ben... Why can't I say a single sentence? <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Jenny bonds with Serena's younger brother, Eric, and Rufus must swallow his pride and ask Billy for a favor to help his son, Dan. And the title reference is the 1992 film, Poison Ivy. Yes. Okay, so, so the first thing I wrote down for this episode, it's probably like the first thing you've written down too. I have choir version of glamorous by the pussycat dolls <laughs> i wrote i wrote glamorous acapella what yeah. what what school would, would okay that um constance billard, constance billard. <laughs> i truly am like that's such a first of all what and why 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 that song I mean, well, is that, it that has, far has nothing off? to do with anything. But is it that far off from how they be living in that in that world? I guess not. 
I thought it was, I think it's interesting. Like, I love whenever they do, um, like, songs like that, like, in shows where it, like, not foreshadowing, but kind of, like, I don't know what the word would be. Like, alluding to how they actually live. Yeah, yeah. Where it's, but it's, like, in an unconventional way. Like, it's, like, a weird way. I love that. I think it's fun. But it is very random for this show. Because, like, there's no other reference. There's the only other time they reference, like, the choir and stuff at Constance Spiller is, like, a couple times because Jenny has, like, choir practice. And, like, other than that, they never bring it up again. They never really talk about it again. So it's kind of weird, but... There's also something about it where it feels very much like it's high, like it sounds very high school. Like it feels like, it almost feels like that was recorded live by those people because it doesn't sound polished. It doesn't sound- Which I like, like that. I think that's interesting. I think it adds- um, it, it almost sounds a little off. Yes. Maybe it is, maybe that's on purpose. My next note that I have just says Nate in all caps with a heart. Mine says Nate and Captain running in Central Park, which like, okay, the last time I was in New York was almost exactly a year ago. It'll be a year ago in a couple days. Um, and, you know, I was running in Central Park when I went there. And I it's true. Like, you like my dream. Your route and everything. I ran like five miles every time it went. Yeah, you killed it. I did. Oh, I loved it. And it was like, cold so it was nice to run yeah uh, and then I, using those bathrooms oh god I can't imagine using those bathrooms right now during like peak no, COVID times no never I've only used the never. bathrooms at Central Park like once and I was like no I haven't even I don't think I think like every oh time I've used them I would like find the closest like <laughs> anywhere else <laughs> I've used those bathrooms I've, I've used the ones by the Delacorte I'm too bougie for that. No, thank you. I've, I've definitely used the ones by the Delacorte. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, they're running and the ca- the captain literally says at one point he goes, here are your goals. Dartmouth, law school, Blair. And I'm like, this kid is 16. Right. What parent at 16 right. A, cares that their kid is in a relationship and B wants that relationship to be end game. Like, I mean, if it's benefiting his, but it's benefiting him professionally. So that makes sense because like he's working with Eleanor, like he's trying to get the contact with Eleanor for like business reasons. And so like, that makes sense. But at the same time, you don't know that yet. <laughs> and so it's like, no. it's the weirdest dynamic on the planet like it just it's weird it's very very strange but also for that in that world in that like societal group it's really not that far off for like parents to have like boom 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 this is who you're planning to marry because this is what'll do best for our family and their family so like it's really not that weird because it's very like that branch of society is very regal and very like royal in that sense so like I'm really not that surprised yeah they're like really pushing Dartmouth on him and then so I was wondering because that's where the captain uh, is, right yeah and then I was wondering just like Chase Crawford in general obviously he's not teenage age in this no, he's 21 and so I was looking and I was like I wonder if and where 
Chase Crawford went to college. Mm-hmm. And so I Googled it. He went to Pepperdine for a couple semesters before dropping out where he studied broadcast journalism and marketing. Pepperdine? Holy Moses, that school is steep. That school is so expensive. Really? That's, yeah, that's, so it's in Malibu. It's in Malibu. Oh, okay. I love, I think that, um, I can't ever remember who plays the captain. What's his name? He's in so much stuff, but like, I never bother to look up who plays him. I don't know. But they have a really, really, really good father-son chemistry in this show. They always have. And I love that because like, um, I think the other like comparable pair would be Lily and Serena. Like I think Blake Lively and Kelly Rutherford have really good chemistry as like mother daughter also. Um, Sam Roberts, Robards, either Roberts, one of them, either way. I really like him, but I hate the captain. <laughs> the captain why is he so mad. why is he called the captain? Because he was a captain in the Navy or something like that. Was he? Mm-hmm. They said it in like the first or second episode. Mm. It was like a passing comment. I've just seen it so many Interesting. times. Interesting. Yeah. But weird. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I do think that he and Nate do have good chemistry. Because I like, it works. I, I feel like everyone on the show has good chemistry. I think the show has good chemistry. I think all the characters, not only with each other, but also with the people who play their family have good chemistry. I, I think have it's heard, definitely well cast. I have heard rumors though, that like Blake Lively for parts of season one, I've heard that like her and Leighton didn't get along so well at first I don't know how true that is but like I've just heard it in oh yeah I mean I've heard I've heard rumors that the two of them didn't get along I don't know if it was just for I've season one if it was for the whole show or I've heard it was because Blake Lively is very much Serena <laughs> like I've heard that that was like she's very much playing herself which I am not surprised by at all um but I mean I don't know all the stories there so I can't really speak to it but that's just what I've heard on the internet yeah so the next scene we have is them um is Sabrina and Blair and they're um the lacrosse they're they're playing like lacrosse or field hockey or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and all I put was um PE uniform has skirts and like private school yeah but I went to private school for the beginning of my private school yeah but okay here's my thing I don't have anything against skirts it's just practicality wise it doesn't make sense it's like I don't understand why women's sports require skirts like why do women have to wear skirts and dresses and tennis um and same with like golf and like the look of it but that's yeah well I do too but that's me being like fashion over function though (laughs) yeah exactly but I'm and I'm more function over fashion yeah and so I'm like it makes no sense that you have to wear a dress to play these sports I mean but it's not like they're like really in the way skirts like they're like they're made for the sport so I don't know they're also like 
so short that no private school would actually allow that to happen. And I love the like disgusting over accessorizing of all of it. They all look perfect. Like Your hair is done. Like they're not gonna be sweaty. Blair's wearing like a four inch thick red belt over hers. I'm like, oh my god. And then she like fake hurts her ankle that was the fun okay that's hilarious though. I thought that was so funny because I'm a PE teacher not all the time <laughs> and then the PE teacher is like Serena you're out of here where's she supposed to go <laughs> go sit on the sidelines I don't know I, then I just have a note that says PE teacher that PE teacher was doing way too much he was trying to get was in every shot. Most. Doing the <laughs> most. He said, you know what? I'm trying to get my SAG card. <laughs> he was like, I don't even have equity. I'm just trying to get my SAG card. I'm just trying to vibe. <laughs> trying to join that union. Do you ever think about that? Like, whenever you watch, like, weird like commercials or, like, something like that, and you're just like, oh, these people got their SAG card doing this. Oh, absolutely! I think about it all there was, um, the on, time on the pad on the podcast Gilmore Guys. Mm-hmm. They brought that up a lot because, like, Gilmore Girls had like a lot of like weird random characters, mm-hmm. and I love it. But they're like, I mean, this is probably somebody ASP was like, uh, we'll just give this friend of mine their SAG card. I'm like, fair. You know what? what I would do that if I was like a casting director or something. I would do that. Yeah. I mean, who's it hurting? Uh, like, nobody. No. But it's like, you get one line, you say three words. Right. And you're in the scene. And then you. there you go. You're in a union. Except we you're know. We know. <laughs> um, but then, like, the majority of the episode is about this, like, mixer between the Ivy League reps and the billards and saint jude's people mm-hmm. kids students i don't know Where, um, well saint jude is they're the like what are they they're not mentors um ushers sponsors sponsors ushers is it what are they doing? they call them ushers are they okay i don't know why i got this mixed up um where it's St. Jude is ushering like the St. Jude boys are ushering the reps while the girls are mostly just like mingling with them so it's like I don't think that the girls ever get assigned a specific person they just kind of mingle with who they want to mingle with that's kind of what I gathered from it because I don't make sense it doesn't at all um but the girls Constance Billard is in charge of like the whole Constance Billard school is in charge of doing the event in the first place so the boys are ushers and Constance Billard is like putting on the event because Blair's in charge of like the um charity stuff um Lily was doing like everything (laughs) Lily's like the most involved parent um so, I mean, like, I don't know, like, I don't think it's very evenly distributed <laughs> amongst the schools, but, you know. I have a note here that just says, I hate elitist education. 
and I am <laughs> I hate I hate the I hate the idea that there are these what six schools six and about you. if you if you don't go to one of these six schools your life is over like I'm so I'm so against the the idea of a legacy um and like admission a i'm against oh my god i'm just gonna sound like a total bitch (laughs) i am and somebody who's like salty and i am a little bit education is so expensive in the united states it is is. so fucking expensive i went to a public state school and it's still and i i was lucky enough that i didn't have to take out any loans but i also worked all through college i see i lived at home um and and I went to community college for two years before moving into a state school. Yeah. So like I the idea that like one of my best friends went to USC for four years and she is in a lifetime of debt for it. I just I don't it it makes no sense. Like why should people have to go into so much debt for these for an education? And then it's like what sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year to go to an Ivy League school. Like that's what tuition is. More. And then tuition, yeah, it's okay, more. Because that's and, like the in-state and, rate. <laughs> and then you're like calculating. Out-state. Well, they're private. Well, they're private schools, so I don't think private schools have in versus out of state tuition, do they? Mm-hmm. It's oh not God, always drastically different, but they some of them do. I think Yale does. It's ridiculous, and and. And their tuition is based on need rather than scholarship, like rather than like, oh, you met these requirements, whatever. Yeah. And, and so you're still pricing people out of educations and it is, I find it to be incredibly immoral. Um, And then, you know, they're, you're paying for a name to have on your 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 resume and it's like okay well I went to my my friend who went to USC and I went to Cal State LA our schools are 12 miles apart and I have no debt she has a bunch of debt and yet we have the same degree yeah you know yeah like we both have BAs in communication yeah and so I think I I have a whole rant about education the higher education system in this country that I could go on and on for hours about and I have see I'm very very grateful and very lucky my parents pay for my so I don't enter the world in debt that was like their kind of purpose they did it for all four of us um because my mom is very smart with her money because <laughs> she worked for a credit union <laughs> for a really long time. Um, so like all four of us, we never had to pay a single penny. We never had to take out a loan, never had to do any of that for college. So I'm very grateful for that. But yeah, I agree. Just it's, my parents didn't have the luxury to save for my college education because growing up in because like living in California is expensive yeah so they didn't have 
the ability. And so when I was a senior in high school and I was applying to all these colleges that I really wanted to go to, I got into all of them. And then they sat me down. They're like, hey, we can't afford this. And we refuse to allow you to go into $100,000 into debt Mm -hmm. because you have no concept of how much money that is. Yeah. And they're like, you have no, you have no concept as to how much money a hundred thousand dollars is they're like you they're like we're not gonna go into debt and we refuse to allow you to yeah so sorry but you're going to community college for two years and even then like I paid for my community college like I paid for my classes my parents paid for books and then transportation so I took the train to Cal State LA, which I was very lucky that the train station was right by where my parents work. So I was just like dropped off on their way to work. Awesome. And then um, and then the station was the Cal State LA station. Oh. So I was dropped off right on campus and it was like an hour every morning, but you know, it was, it, we made it work. Like we were able to make it work. So my parents paid for my train ticket, but I paid my tuition I paid for all of the other things I needed but yeah I'm just I'm just so against and part of it is because like oh you know I didn't get to participate in the quote-unquote college experience which I didn't and I'm still a little like bitter about that Mm -hmm. but um but at the same time nobody should have to it should not cost sixty thousand dollars for a semester or a year of school. It's absolutely ridiculous. So I am very much against a elitist upper education. It's ridiculous to me. Yeah. My next note, yes. chuck in a stretch limo. I don't understand the point <laughs> of a limo. Chuck if, limo like every episode. <laughs> chuck, in a, chuck in a stretch limo. I don't understand the point of a limo if you're by yourself, just get a town car. Which, and that's the thing is I think that at the time of when the books came out and when the show was being made, I think that a limo was just showing like, this is the height of luxury. Luxury. He is able to do this. Like he has the ability to have a limo take him to school every single day and take him home every single day, take him wherever the fuck he wants to go every single day. Whereas now the height of luxury is a really nice like town car SUV or like. Like now, no yeah. one takes a limo anywhere because it's weird. Like that's too much. You just don't do yeah. it. Yeah, I agree. Like I used to be obsessed with like riding in limos when I was a kid because I was like, that's the height of luxury. And Gossip Girl made me that way. It's because of Gossip Girl that I thought that. But then as I got older, I was like, why would I want to take a limo anywhere? Like I'm like, and now like looking back on it, I'm like, I was an idiot. Like I was such a stupid kid. Because, like, now I'm just, like, I want to take, like, just a really nice, I don't even know, just, like, a really nice SUV everywhere. I just want, like, a really nice car with a really nice driver to take me everywhere. (laughs) I don't want to have to drive anywhere ever again. Oh, my gosh. My control issues are, like, you need to be the one to drive yourself everywhere all the time. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So at this mixer, at this Ivy League mixer, we learn that Dan does not get the Dartmouth 
uh, oh, Usher. Sure. He does not become the Dartmouth Usher. Uh, it it's Nate. Nate gets it, and you and know what? Nate doesn't even want it. But he okay. So here's my beef with this situation with Dan in this situation. I have beef with Dan in every episode, but here's my beef with him in this situation. <laughs> so what makes me so angry? is the amount of times that yeah Nate is kind of an idiot but he doesn't know and I wrote down the I wrote down the uh the line last year I believe he had an original thought and it died of loneliness of loneliness yes um I like my issue with this scenario on Dan's part is he's not taking into account and he doesn't realize this until later on. And I do give him a lot, like I do respect him a lot for later realizing, oh, Nate doesn't have it so great. He's, his life is kind of sad. Like his life kind of sucks. And I do appreciate that, but he never once apologizes. I think he apologizes to Nate for like little things, but he never apologizes for being completely incorrect about the way Nate lives. Like he never, from what I can think of, he never flat out is like, the things I said to you the things I said about you were terrible and wrong he I don't remember him ever saying anything involving that um but what bothers me the most is like he's so aggressive to Nate in the conversations that they have like you can be kind to someone while like explaining something to them like you don't have to be rude about it Nate was genuinely asking him questions about the Dartmouth rep. And Dan was like, oh, you don't know? Okay. I'm like, okay, not everyone is like doing heavy research into jail hall, you idiot. Like no one, like you're the only person, I'm pretty sure. Also like the idea that that everybody would want to go to Dartmouth for the same reasons that Dan would want to go to Dartmouth. It's like, right. okay, maybe he wants to learn more about biology than literature right and so does like the fact that yeah it's it's a whole thing but but I also got got mad because I was like Dan immediately just completely assumed oh Nate did this because he has money that's not entirely true it happened to Nate because of his dad it had nothing to do with Nate it had everything to do with the cat and then and then Dan goes and complains about it to Rufus. And what does Rufus do? He barges into- It says, my uh, son is entitled to a spot as an usher. My son deserves- Exactly. But the thing is, Rufus just like finds a random woman and starts like yelling at her about this. And apparently it's the right woman to like yell at her about, yell at her this, whatever the words I'm trying to say are I'm like <laughs> he's lucky he found the right person he just found somebody who wasn't a child and started yelling at her right and then it's like then it's like oh well Lily doesn't like me so I may as well uh just call it quits here and then and then Lily says well your son can actually do this yeah and Lily's actually like Lily gives, at least gives him of grace <laughs> like I but the thing love is, her <laughs> she 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 a negotiated free entertainment yeah from rufus yeah negotiated free entertainment from rufus and then um um gives dan a position and if they were to you know i mean it's not a great position it's not a natural like he wants but you know it kind of gives him the opportunity to mingle with every rep if they were to come to the punch bowl yeah not the best service position but still who cares and it also makes me mad because like the whole point of dan 
getting mad that he didn't get it was because his dad was because Nate's dad got it for him. What did your dad do? The same exact thing, just for a different position. Like, it's so, he's the, oh my God, the Humphreys are so hypocritical. It makes me so mad. Everything they do is just like the poor version of what like Nate and Serena and Blair and Chuck get to do. Like, and they don't even realize it. Uh, yeah, and and Serena does go on a mission to just screw Blair over with the um, Yale rep the entire time. And Dan isn't wrong when he says that Serena doesn't have to worry about getting into college. So why not make the whole evening about screwing over Blair? Right. He's not wrong. He's not. But wrong. he shouldn't have said it like that. No, that was really aggressive. I know. None of them. None of them have to worry about getting into college he's so violent and like everything that he says to these people like he is just so unnecessarily aggressive in the way that he talks to them and I don't get it like you after then he starts to turn (laughs) then he starts to turn and then like realizes Nate is actually trying and actually gives real advice to Nate and do you know why because Nate is a good person yeah because Nate's just trying Nate's actually He's just trying. Golden Retriever Boy is trying. I love him so much. <laughs> Golden Retriever Boy is trying for hours. He was just the and best. And I'm like, person. and I'm like, okay, well, is this the beginning of Dan and Nate's relationship or their friendship? Like, this is where I think Dan starts to like turn and realize, like, yeah. oh, oh, he might be genuinely interested in this, and I'm just being a jerk, which yeah. he is ninety percent of the time mm-hmm. being a jerk. Yeah. But the whole evening takes a turn because Blair and Chuck think that Serena is at the Ostrock Center when in reality it's um Eric. Thank you. I could not remember his name. <laughs> my my brain kept my, I'm trying to think of the name I was thinking of, but it wasn't it was not Eric. My favorite part of that entire thing is like, yeah, it was a low blow. I'm going to say that right now. It was definitely a low blow. That was a little bit much. But then you put into perspective, Serena's been trying to sabotage Blair all night with the Yale rep. She has been fighting so hard to sabotage Blair the entire night. So part of me is like, Blair doing that is warranted. Granted, she was wrong, but it was warranted. Like, I, they're 16. Like, they're not going to be adults about the situation. Like, they're teenagers. So, like, yeah, she's going to go to, like, the lowest blow that she can possibly get. And then, but then as soon as Blair realizes the actual truth, she immediately is like, no, that was fucked up. I should not have done that because Eric is a good person. Because Eric yeah. is a good person. Serena, not so much. But Eric is a good person. When when Blair, when when Eric tells Blair that Serena wasn't the one that was, uh, that was, when Eric tells Blair that Serena wasn't the one that was the Ostrov Center and it was him. And he like lifts up his sleeve and like shows that he um, has been doing self-harm. She immediately, yeah, she's immediately changed. She's like, Eric, before he shows her that, she's like, Eric, come on, don't, you, you're, you and I are cool. Like you don't need to be protecting your sister. Mm. And he's like, nah, this is, I'm here to tell you straight what's happening right and and she does immediately change and she realizes oh shit their life is difficult 
which is something that and I might not have all the information right which is something that Blair has always done like her character's always been that way where the second she realizes or the second she is about to do something and then realizes that this could be too close to home or this could hit a little bit too hard she stops or she immediately apologizes if she's already done it and I think that people don't talk about that enough. Like Blair is not genuinely a bad person. She just makes bad choices. Because like she's genuinely yeah. the most one of the most empathic characters in the show. Because she feels so deeply for everybody in the show in one way or another. Yeah. She she cares about her friends and mm-hmm. and when she feels slighted, she's about to slight you right back. Yeah. But she she deeply cares for everyone and even though her she's also manipulative and and mean but you know it comes with the territory of where she grew up and how she grew up but it's Mm -hmm. like even though her and Serena were on the outs there was still not a single moment after Eric told her what happened that she wasn't like I'm here for you like she wasn't you know what I mean? Like she automatically went into like big sister mode with Eric. And I think that that's like, people don't discuss the good things that Blair does enough. Like she is such a good Well, person. yeah, because, well, because something they talk about uh, in a later episode is that Lily was absent from their life a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And so Eric and Eric and Serena would oftentimes find themselves, you know, with a duffel bag and at the the Waldorfs or the Archibalds. Yeah. So these families care for both of them. And so Blair, you know, not having any siblings growing up probably does see Eric as a little brother. Well, and then you have like, even with Chuck, like then you have later in the show when Eric finds a lot to do with Chuck, like him and Chuck get along really, really well. Because again, Chuck is an only child. And so the second he gets siblings, yeah, him and Serena don't do so well, but Eric and him are very, very, very close. I love their relationship. Actually, I would say when they become siblings, Serena is wary at first, but eventually he's like, yeah, I mean, he's my brother. Well, yeah. I mean, but like they get into a lot more tiffs than like Eric and Chuck do, is what I mean. Like they, they have more of the brother-sister dynamic yeah like you know um but I love Eric and hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on on. oh my god what do you want these no thank you come to the territory of living in a house with three other people (laughs) always bothered by something um sorry keep going um but Eric and Chuck's relationship has always been one of my favorites um throughout the entire course of the show like I just love because Chuck is so much softer with Eric he's like that is his genuine soft side is when it comes to Eric and I love that Mm -hmm. like a lot of people are like he's his most vulnerable when he's with Blair and I'm like but look at him with Eric like he and Eric have such a good dynamic and the sense that they know each other better than most other people in the show do and I don't think it gets talked about enough like I think that that needs to be discussed more that is such a good relationship. Yeah, and and it's and it's not Chuck taking advantage of Eric. It's it's the two of them actually bonding. It's yeah. if when Eric is asked about it, he's like, "No, I I like Chuck. Like 
he's and he's like, brother. if you're not around, like he's tell Serena, he's like, well, you're never here for me, but Chuck is. Like I was going through, like at that point, he was like, I was going through a really low point in my life and Chuck was there for me. No one else was. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I don't yeah. know, like, I have my issues with Chuck, but like when it comes to Eric, I love Chuck. I love the way he treats me <laughs> so happy because yeah. Eric is one of my favorite characters. Eric is such a good person in every way <laughs> like he is just oh, <laughs> I love Eric not as much as I love Nate but yeah <laughs> we all know <laughs> I just yeah it's, I can't go a single wild, episode without but, raving about Nate Archibald but yeah so going back to Blair she immediately is like shit I screwed up right um and then it leads to Bethesda Terrace in the Rain, which is an iconic scene. That's my favorite scene. Her and Serena reconciling, being like, look, you left me when I was in a very dark place. You left you left me without warning. And not even that you left me because you fucked my boyfriend. Like it was like, and you didn't but and she didn't tell me. Yeah. And she's like, I I my parents are going through divorce all of a sudden my father is in a relationship with a man um I and my best friend is gone and I was left to my life was blown to pieces and I was left to just pick it up and and I needed my best friend and you weren't there and I feel really bad about that that is why I'm acting the way I'm acting yeah so it's a very like iconic scene but also I feel like Serena doesn't talk much in it she doesn't because she doesn't need to because it's not for Serena to explain herself it's for Blair to be like granted Serena should have been explaining herself and her actions (laughs) no we don't find out why she left for then at that point we only think the reason she left is because she slept with Nate right but well but that's, that's not the I'm full saying. story she's still not giving the full story but that's what I'm saying is like even then she barely will talk about that like she barely will discuss with Blair that yeah she did fuck up she did sleep with me like that needs I wish Serena said more about that like that whole scenario because all Blair all Blair wants is loyalty and and I mean who doesn't like that's like such a human thing like you just want people to be loyal to you and but loyal in in a way that isn't minion like she wants she wants genuine, genuine friendship. friendship and it's like her issue with loyalty is also because that whole thing she never had that issue until her dad left and it was like her dad left and she felt abandoned she felt like she did something wrong. like she felt like she was to blame she felt like her mom was to blame. she was blaming everybody and then serena left and it was just like you know like her entire life fell apart And so it's like, she had every right to just sit there and like scream. Like I never once was like, she doesn't deserve to do this. Like she doesn't have a need to, because like that was the one thing that she needed to do. She needed to scream at Serena. I wish more people would just scream at Serena about how they feel about the things that she's done. Um, And I feel like in that, in that. Microphone's messed up. (laughs) Hello? Yeah, you're good. back. Yep. And I feel like in that meeting, in that scene, we, you have 
Blair realizing my life was going to shit, but so was yours and you handled it the way you thought was necessary. And I'm just now, and, and she's so hurt that the way that, like not only was it Serena kind of betraying her, but also not thinking that their friendship was strong enough to withstand not that not that necessarily you should forgive somebody for sleeping with your boyfriend but Blair was like my world is falling apart I need my best friend and Serena wasn't like my world is falling apart I need my best friend Serena was like my world is falling apart and I screwed over my best friend and now I need to bounce yeah and it's like to the weird thing where Blair didn't feel needed yeah and what always bothers me about like the whole situation with Blair and Serena at the beginning of the show is Serena apologizes for what she does but she never truly holds herself accountable she never genuinely admits that she was completely in the wrong for things you know what I mean like sleeping with yeah, Nate, yeah, both in a later, but it's like, but at the same time, Nate's already taken responsibility for how he fucked up. You need to do the same. Mm-hmm. Like it's not enough and, to say you're sorry. And, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a whole weird dynamic that I think is, you know, I keep wanting to say, you know, for a CW show, it's pretty like full of heart, mm-hmm. but for a CW show it's very full of heart yeah and I mean like the other CW shows that I've watched are like Arrow and Flash and Supergirl you know those things so like and mm-hmm. Arrow has an, I will say this though Arrow has my entire heart that show is so good I miss it when it was like season four and earlier because Arrow was so good for the first four seasons but it's just like I watched Gossip Girl was like the first CW show that like I remember watching because like there wasn't a lot for people when I was like eight years old. There wasn't a lot for like kids on <laughs> the CW. There still really isn't. But um, that was like the first CW show I remember watching. And that was kind of my view on the CW for a while. And then I got into like Arrow and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, they make other things that aren't like <laughs> teen dramas and like stuff like that. However, I will say this. Katie Keene is such a good show. And I really want to get caught is back. It? It's so good because I don't like Riverdale, but I love Katie Keene because Katie Keene feels more Gossip Girl than Riverdale, even though it's the Riverdale spinoff. I love Katie Keene. I'm obsessed. It's so good. Um, And it's like, it's like Gossip Girl. It's one of my favorite things about it is I say it's more like Gossip Girl because fashion plays such a huge role in the show and like fashion and Gossip Girl is like its own character. (laughs) So like, I don't like everything about Katie Keene is just better written than Riverdale. Like everything about it is just so much better than Riverdale in my opinion um I've only seen a few episodes of Riverdale but whatever um but like my thing with Gossip Girl is like for the most part yeah the characters are problematic yeah they're toxic for each other but it's a dysfunctional family like they absolutely they talk about that a lot like there's the episode at the end or the middle of the season or end of the season when we find out the real reason Serena left and it was like and Blair says, you know, like, we're the non-judging breakfast club. Like, that's literally what they refer to themselves as, because, like, yeah, they're all dysfunctional, and they, like, <laughs> are so toxic for each other, but they never 
genuinely judge each other because they still love each other more than anything and they judge each other for like you know obviously they do judge each other but they don't ever judge each other to the point of where they feel like their character is being called into question you know what I mean yeah like they would go they would go to bat for each other yeah they all love each other so much yeah but yeah it was a good episode. Um, Love that episode. It was uh, the last like random story note I have is Rufus joking about joining Dan at school. Um, that hit too close to home. Every time I say I'm gonna move to some place, my mom's like, "Well, you better make sure that there's room for me." Oh no! I'm like, <laughs> no, love you, mom, but no, no, no. One of um, there's another part of this episode that like. I'm going to bring it up in every episode because it happens in every episode of the show, but it's like, I can't remember exactly what the quote was at the beginning of the episode, but it was like Dan saying, oh, he's like, I don't have a trust fund to fall back on. And it's like, how many times do I have to hear that you're poor? (laughs) How many times? Poor. Right. Like, how many times do we have to discuss the fact that you are poor for someone living in a loft in Williamsburg? Like, (laughs) I don't like, oh, it makes me so angry. Oh, it drives me nuts. Anyway, (laughs) whatever. Anyways, is there anything else from this episode, Katie? Nope. That's about it. That's all I have to say. This episode was so good, but it was, like, there wasn't a lot to, like, discuss. Rather, this is the first episode, granted, it's the third episode. Yeah. It's the first episode where it's not all exposition, exposition, Mm -hmm. action, end. It was kind of, like, steady throughout. Yeah. It felt like they're really starting to get their groove. Yes. This is the first episode that I remember loving. Like, this was, like, when I was watching it way back when, this is the first episode I remember, like, finishing and being like that was a good episode because like yeah obviously I liked the first two because I kept coming back to watch it but it was like this episode was like this is a good episode this is a good show like I loved this episode I still this is one of my favorite episodes in season one like I go back to this episode all the time yeah my favorite episode in this season though is the one where we find out why Serena really left such a good episode Mm. oh good I, that's not season one is it mm-hmm. that's season one yeah Blake Lively is so good in that episode <laughs> like I love she's just crying the entire time but like she's she, like frustrated and crying she's like she's frazzled so, she's so good in it like I just I love that and I love Ed Westwick and everyone everyone in that episode is so good <laughs> I just love that episode it's so good it's my fave anyways okay is that all we got? That's all we got. All right. Well, we are now on TikTok, officially. Heck yeah, we are. Uh, what is it? The Ultimate Insiders? I believe so. Let okay. me see. Okay. Yep, The Ultimate Insiders. We are at The Ultimate Insiders on TikTok and Instagram. Um, my personal social media is at It's Jill Hayes on everything. And I am at Complete Katie on Instagram and Katie Fornia on TikTok. Yeah. So follow us there. Yeah. Until next week.
Bye. Bye.